Mortal Kombat Legends colon Snowblind. Released October 9th, 2022. The latest of the infamous Mortal Kombat Legends line. I'm Delavento. I'm Nick Nundall. And this is Attract Mode. What are we going to say about this movie? <laughs> I think there are things to say at the yeah. very least. At the very least, there is. Um, they they pivoted, right? Like they yeah. they at least like went for something as mm-hmm. opposed to retelling, rehashing something that has already been told countless it's, times. I, I've got to say it is actually it, this is maybe going to blow your mind. This has been one of my favorite Huh? favorite animated fighting game movies that we've watched so far holy shit it only took no. <laughs> us how many <laughs> to get here I, I i had a very quiet calm reaction as we were watching it i'm pretty tired but i actually really enjoyed this uh it it's full of bad martial arts movie tropes and goes a little long on like the first half with those but delivered uh a really fun like over-the-top gory mortal Kombat experience and did something weirder than i expected a movie like this to do and was pretty straightforward it's not perfect the dialogue is childish the the plot is silly (laughs) but i i didn't hate this and that puts it on top of the pile Well, hopefully it'll be uh, more memorable than the uh, second Mortal Kombat Legends movie for it's you. It's so funny because we got into this and like just to set this up a little bit, it's the apocalypse and Kano is old and king of the world and everyone is just getting like eviscerated left and right. And you're like, how do we get from the last movie to this? And I'm like, yeah, at the end of the last movie, Scorpion got his revenge. <laughs> you're like, Nick. <laughs> That's two movies ago. <laughs> I, I don't, I have, and for all functionality in this episode, will not have any memory of what happened in the last movie. I don't know how, but I've completely blocked it out. So I don't know how we got there from here, but my understanding is the movie doesn't really, until like it gets there and kind of gives you some some hint of what happened, but there's really no connective like A to B to C. It's just kind of like, a to b to z in fact like huge yes. jump and different plot i mean i honestly also couldn't tell you like a uh plot for plot synopsis of the previous movie like it's another battle i mean it, it concerns shao khan right as opposed to the first movie being kind of a retelling of mortal kombat one the game and then the original mm-hmm. 95 mortal kombat movie uh and i guess to a lesser extent the 2020 or 2021 Mortal Kombat movie. It's the tournament, right? It's the tournament story that right. we've heard with some added some things tweaks. into yeah. the mix. Yeah. Um, this movie, like you said, is a post-apocalyptic 
Mad Max or Logan. I mean, obviously, Mad Max is the biggest one, but it's like yeah, huge Mad Max wor- influence. The world has been destroyed by some event, uh, and we are living in the in the uh, in the shell of its of its former self and the in the dusty wastes that are that are left over um and they kind of sprinkle in some explanations but basically there was revenants which is like what scorpion is right like revenant mm-hmm. zombie type creatures took over the world at, at somehow least that that would be what i would think of as a revenant like in fiction beyond mortal Kombat, it's usually like an undead that feels like it has a purpose right something um, some business left undone and it's seeking to accomplish that goal when we do see the revenants in this movie it turns out it's just the zombie apocalypse they're not these like you know like thoughtful and purposeful undead they are mutant zombie people who want to eat everyone's flesh and that's it so it feels weird to have that be the apocalypse in this because it does seem like a problem that all of the superpowered beings in the multiverse of Mortal <laughs> Kombat could handle pretty easily. Yeah. And also would not lead to a nuclear wasteland style apocalypse. Like you, right. they are living in like basically a desert now, which yeah. assumedly used to be like luscious or at least like natural climate. And it's now just like a giant dust bowl. And it's like zombies would not cause that. <laughs> Like they would not right. cause climate collapse. So, so if, like, what happened? Was it that m- militaries bombed themselves to try to kill the zombies and cause a, a nuclear, you know, apocalypse? Or it, is this just Australia? <laughs> it feels it feels like it must be somewhere in Asia in reality because all the architecture of the newly rebuilt society is heavily Asian inspired. Um, and they talk about like the Lin Kuei and the other. Um, you know tribes and whatnot and it seems like they must have been in this area before the apocalypse so we're somewhere in asia in a desert those exist it could be that we're just in a desert like we might not be in an apocalyptic wasteland but it sure feels like it yeah they definitely go for that style so uh movie kind of cold open starts with a raid on this town where just people are getting like you said eviscerated murdered left and right and i forgot how gory these animated Mortal Kombat movies get but you're just seeing like eyeballs getting plucked out of skulls and like people's heads exploding um we have it's as if the people are made of like i don't know soggy jelly sandwiches or something like that (laughs) because it's so easy to rip them apart for these like handful of raiders who come in one of them very lazily like slaps someone on the back and it like puts his hand through their back like it's their wet paper for townsfolk and mm-hmm. that just lets the animators go berserk with blood splatters and and getting ripped apart yeah um, we see a guy die not only once but twice because they reuse, <laughs> they just reuse the his model. character design yes uh and so either that guy has a twin brother or that's a uh clerical error on the part of some editor somewhere yeah um but we see some familiar faces or at least one familiar face to me uh and then i guess if you're more familiar with the the greater mortal Kombat 
uh, franchise. Maybe you see some as well. Um, I saw Aaron Black, who I'm only familiar with because I've seen a little bit of Mortal Kombat 10 or 11, whichever one he debuted in. Um, we also have what are their names? Cobra and uh, Kira are two of the other raiders that are like yeah. shown throughout here. Um, and then there's like these guys, Fira and Tor, that are like a freak the mighty uh, master blaster kind of pairing. Um, and all these characters are from the the Deadly Alliance and Deception games. And yeah. like games that focus more on the Black Dragon Clan, apparently. Um, Makes sense, I guess, to pull canonically Black Dragon associated characters yeah. for what we find is, you know king kano's private force so yes yeah so this is the the black dragons are uh doing pretty well for themselves in the post-apocalypse wouldn't you know so they're going from town to town and raiding them and forcing uh the residents to swear fealty to uh the self-described king kano um Mm -hmm. king kano also has uh Shang Shang Sung yep. as like his advisor. Yeah. And like Harold to the town. He's the one who does the speaking when he's like, You will now follow yeah. King Gano. I yeah. know he doesn't sound like that <laughs> at all, but it's better that I didn't try to do his actual voice. Your, so we're gonna go with it. Soul he's will be mine. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> um but everyone's old. Or older, right? Like, yeah. it, like Shang Tsung is Shang Tsung like, is often portrayed as old, so that's hard to like. That doesn't stand out as weird to me. But when right. we see Kano, he looks considerably older. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's got like a full beard, and he's. What also happens when you get old in this universe, as you pointed out, is that you just keep getting bigger and more jacked. <laughs> yeah. Like, yes. you seem to grow a foot and get broader, and and just crazy muscles, muscles on top of muscle groups. And mm-hmm. so he's huge, of course. Um, but what's also crazy about his design, I, I'm just, you know, jumping to where we see him. I don't, I don't remember when it pops up exactly, but um, is that he is no longer just the like silver half of his face, but instead like you can see into his torso and he's got like pistons moving up and down and things like that. Like he is full on cyborg seemingly somewhere from like, chest up and and by the end of the movie i think we find out that it's even more than that but yeah i'm pretty sure like neck down he's completely robotic yeah and just yeah the one half of his face that is normally human is all that's left of him being human you you think the well no we know he's got i mean this is spoiler territory but we we know there's more human there on his head so i think his whole head is human Okay. Maybe okay. with like and then, maybe and, with an and, iron that, and that's just sure, and that's yeah. just plating the the middle yeah. part. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Okay. Yeah, that checks out. But at the very least, I think everything below the neck is all. I think so too. Cybernetic. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So Kano rules the wastes. He is the um, a Morton Joe basically <laughs> yeah. of of this uh of this wasteland. Um. We do we go back to their like <laughs> they call it K Town, I think, is yeah, where he resides. Yeah. K knows um, town. 
Yeah. Is that, do we go jump there? Sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting the we, order of events here. No, that's, that feels about right. I think, yeah, we, we introduce him after they, they're like, you're going to serve Kano now. We get like cool, like metal guitar riff and then followed by some hip hop beats. And then we're in this like fighting arena in K Town. There's mm-hmm. raiders everywhere cheering on a fight between two characters who, as near as we can tell, are not anywhere in, in Mortal Kombat's canon. Like they're just, uh, I think it's Kindra and and Gija or something like that. But uh, regardless, they are they're battling it out. Uh, one of them gets the better of the other one, and Kano is watching, presiding over this fight, um, and orders. Uh, you know like a finisher to you know, finish yeah. her uh situation uh she refuses and so he just straight up shoots both of their heads off just like gallagher watermelon <laughs> uh, explodes yeah. their heads rest in um, peace yeah well eh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he can rest i don't know about peace rest in pieces gallagher <laughs> um but yeah explodes their heads and uh and that's just to show that he is like, I don't care about anyone. I'll do whatever I want. Not the over the top. David Wenham, is that his name? Is doing the voice of Kano in this one. He is not the over the top Kano we've had in other projects. Uh, you know, the the fake Australian voice of the first live action movie Kano, but even the like other live action movie Kano and the last animated one, I felt like were, were way more Australian than this one. He's He's toning it down. Mm-hmm. He's playing a serious version of the character. He I does, guess he doesn't need to impress anyone anymore. You know, <laughs> right, he's, he's, right. He's already he's already king. Yeah. Um. um but yeah, the, like this is just to show kind of how ruthless he is, right? And like you said, yeah. the 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 way their heads explode, it's just like it, they and they and they like the the bullet comes in and kind of freezes as it pierces, and then yeah, just, just get a pause there. Yeah. Yeah. I I would say. If you are watching these movies, that moment is one of the moments that you're watching these movies for. You're not really watching for the story. You're not really watching for these characters, voice acting, dialogue, any of that. You're watching for excessive gore and that moment delivers. That's like the first like, holy shit, <laughs> kind of moment of the movie. And there's a few of them. Um, but that happens that I, we did go a little bit out of order because i'm pretty sure right after those uh the the head pops um is when his goons come back because they were yes. out in the world um and they ran into old man sub-zero mm-hmm. um yeah continuing your logan comparison from earlier yeah he is, i mean that part that part of this this story definitely feels very logan-esque right yeah um He's he's a broken, sad old man who wakes up every day with nightmares of his brother killing uh, all of his compatriots in the the Lin Kuei clan, and now he's just trying to be a farmer, trying to live a simple life. But don't you know it? Damn these raiders won't let an old man just have an easy time. They they find him bringing immaculate fresh vegetables. By the way, <laughs> in this post apocalyptic wasteland, he has filled a cart with just like bountiful gotta be gmo heavy corn that's like perfect and robust like the shit you'd be pulling out of the ground in in this environment would be dried and withered and barely contain any nutrients and you would hope to survive on it but instead he's able to provide not only for himself but an entire town full of people um 
but they because they see him delivering these goods they know there must be a settlement nearby and it's who do we remember the names of the three you said them so earlier in this podcast it's it's cobra like we said um yeah kira and then also cabal is yeah. here uh who i don't think we've seen before in one of the the animated movies so cabal also knew cabal being this like metal masked uh like he's got what i call robot dreadlocks i don't know what else to call them they're they're like metal cables on the back of his head um and he's Please, just like cabals cra- oh okay cabal. Yeah. <laughs> uh crazy jacked dude um as they all are but he's like extra extra wide and jacked um and uh basically he comes up with the idea that if he's delivering vegetables there must be a settlement nearby we should go check out that settlement cobras i think is the one who voices like yeah and then we'll tell kano and he's like "Mm, or maybe we won't maybe we make a go of it being our own rulers of our own town that kano doesn't know about this is our chance. This is yeah. our chance. <laughs> the moment the animations are are really like they don't fit the dialogue often throughout this movie, but this one in particular where <laughs> Cabal decides to we can do this thing um decides to like air hump <laughs> pulls like like balls his hands into fists at his side and like pulls them in at his yeah. at his hips. Pumps his arms. Um, yeah. And uh, it's just like, oh, these animators either didn't know what the dialogue would be and were just filling in stuff uh, or or they don't know what humans look like when they're talking like none of this works. Um, but uh, yeah, so they beat up old man uh, Sub-Zero. He doesn't fight back because he's trying to hide his not use his powers. Um, they find the settlement they decide they're going to take it over and that's when we run into really like well i i, I don't know what do you call it when there's two protagonists is that the, uh, the deuterogonist or something yeah. like that i w- i would argue sub zero is the deuterogonist and that our new character that's sure. about to be introduced is the protagonist sure um but he is kenshi the i guess in uh, probably in all of the games at least in the games i've seen him in blind swordsman not blind yet in this though um because we're getting some some origin uh for a character here i guess so and no sword either so (laughs) not blind not a swordsman (laughs) but he is the arrogant martial arts trope of the young fighter who is going town to town not looking to be a hero not looking to do anything you know other than fight someone who would actually be a challenge yes prove his worth prove his might you might even say he kicks cabal cobra and kira out of town Mm -hmm. with like effortless ease uh he just beats the shit out of them and hangs around the town i guess in spite of that waiting for the next chance to get into a fight that that catches them back up to when they get to kano's arena and have to explain to him after he's just blown the heads off of two of his fighters that they've failed because they got run out of town they try to pretend that it's like oh they've got a lot of defenses or whatever and that's when kano says well let's bring in uh tremor um and it is this walking stone monstrosity that's like bleeding magma out of every orifice 
and it is uh, uh, this elemental creature that is, I guess, Kano's like best agent. I don't know. Yeah. Um, we we mistook him for Scorpion at first because they. Yeah. I think this is purposeful misdirection, but they do mm-hmm. like a behind the back over the shoulder shot of him watching the the cage match and he's yeah. glowing glowing orange the same way Scorpion would, and we're like, ah, oh, haha. Yeah, and he's Everyone's got like a cloak up over his head. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, the he they are ordered to go to back to the village, um, teach teach the people there what's what. Um, Kano also sends uh, Shang Tsung with them, um, but before he does, he notices that Shang Tsung has kind of scampered off during all the hoopla. And <laughs> hoopla. we see we see a scene where Shang Tsung is standing in front of this kind of ordinate looking door in Kano's office or private quarters or whatever, and mm-hmm. is like trying to get in. He has brought in a tray of like of of spirits of uh of from his private reserve to like mask his intentions of being in the room and Kano finds him and he drinks the whole bottle and he's like, oh, I'm going to send you, I'm going to send you out there, mate. You're going to, you going to go out with the, <laughs> with the other lads. Yeah, Drongo. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, get some wombats, eh? And he sends him out with Tremor and the rest to uh, show this, show this young fighter what's up. Also, Sub-Zero happens to be coming into town because he couldn't deliver his previous shipment of vegetables after Cobra mm-hmm. and Cabal threw it on the ground. My and cabbages! It, yeah. <laughs> and so he uh, he happens to be arriving around the same time with this new delivery. And immediately, Kenshi recognizes him as Lin Kuei. And it's like, you're the guy who's going to like make me a great fighter. We're going to, you're going to train me. I'm going to fight you, whatever it is. Like we need to do. This is what I've been looking for. And he kind of plays dumb and is like, I don't know what you're talking about. Couldn't be me. Um, throws some shit at him. I can't remember. <laughs> throws like a, yeah. uh, apple or a tomato at him. And he d- deftly catches it without looking, um, proving that he is, completely out of control of his reflexes to the point where he can't be (laughs) caught unawares like yesterday he allowed himself to get his ass kicked by three biker type dudes or you know but biker gang type folks out in the wasteland today he's like no i have to be a badass i have to catch these apples um but he is is revealed in you know to this one character, but still kind of plays it off, and uh, then Tremor rolls in. Um, Tremor uh, challenges Kenshi. Kenshi kind of wants Sub Zero to help out because he's like, "Well, you're a badass. Like, come on, get in this." Sub Zero ducks away. He's not interested. Kenshi takes them on. It gets totally fucked up. Uh, Kenshi, we should say, played by, uh, as you pointed out while we were watching, um, uh, the actor from The Good Place. Uh, he, his character is Jason Mendoza in The Good Place, right? Yeah, and his uh, his real name is Manny. I think it's uh, either Jacinto or Jacinto. Um, gotcha. Love that guy in The Good Place. <laughs> He's so good. Yeah. And he does, yeah, like he he does a, an admirable job of playing this character in the typical like the character that he is playing, right? Like 
the dialogue he's given isn't anything great to work with and he does a fine job with what he's got um but uh fun to see him out in something else i guess anyway mm-hmm. um he gets fucking wrecked by tremor uh this this fucking magma elemental has no chill and <laughs> just <laughs> smashes the shit out of his face um what i like about this and i wish it had been more persistent is that they do like really fuck up his face his eye gets all swollen and like rocky style you know like yeah <laughs> he gets jacked up Adrian, in this. um and just as he's about to kill kenshi uh shang sung just kind of gives tremor the look like no don't do it um he backs off says he's made an example of him and that this town needs to swear fealty to kano and they'll be back to secure that and i want to take a beat here and talk about uh tremor's power level for a second yeah because it's a little all over the place and a little inconsistent throughout the course of the movie i think this whole thing has power levels all over the place like sure but yeah. I think I I think I think Tremor is indicative of that because Tremor he can rip giant rocks out of the ground and throw them. He can also stomp yeah. his foot and it like summons up stone spires out of the ground that also yeah. have magma yeah. in them. He then like does this telekinetic ability where he like lifts a giant chunk of earth up from under his feet feet that yeah. carries him up with it and then yeah. throws that and it's like okay kid, so do you just have like telekinetic powers total, total control over earth as a element yeah right um i don't i'm not bothered by that it's very earth bendy like avatar we pointed out this movie has a number of avatar similarities um you mentioned the cabbage seller uh I, I don't have any problem with that at any point but imagining a move like this trying to represent the games which it doesn't have to be perfect and that's like totally fine but like the cobra character in a one-on-one versus magma would be not at all a challenge right but kano is also crazy powerful in this sub-zero is insanely overpowered in this like we're just operating on completely imbalanced scales and i don't hate that because it keeps the movie more interesting sure i don't Um, i don't that doesn't bother me as much as an ability what a character has yeah, like ability he has at the beginning of the movie is then not reused later in you the movie. You don't think it's reused for for Tremor? I think specifically this like <laughs> levitating earth out of the ground that he is yeah. then flying on. Like that's like your your showstopper, right? Like that's like your okay, I I beat everything with this move. And so I would be using that constantly. I, he didn't really get a chance to use that though. Like he had already beaten down kenshi i think by the time he brought that up because he had like pushed him back and and had the spikes come out of the ground and everything i that doesn't bother me weirdly because by the time we see him fight again the characters he's fighting have also developed considerably (laughs) i mean we'll talk about kenshi's journey because that's really the journey of the film right yeah uh what happens to him and how he still gets to become better in spite of every every negative thing that happens to him is uh, like what power level is that what do you call that um stubbornness that's what i call it yeah yeah um but the arena that they were fighting in also will determine how tremor didn't get to do what he did right like they're up in a tower they're not in i suppose i suppose yeah um so yes kenshi gets his shit rocked he is lying on the ground 
bleeding out unconscious uh the troop of cobra kari K- uh, cabal and tremor leave the town shang sung uh sticks around he kind of walks up to uh the bleeding out uh kenji um sub-zero meanwhile nowhere to be found um he has basically like taken this as opportunity to get the fuck out of dodge he's like i'm not getting involved um so shang sung kind of picks picks up kenji he's like you know i hear stories of a powerful weapon that could aid you in defeating these people um and it's like okay like shang sung's trying to get him to do something for him yeah i thought at this moment shang sung wants the sword and it will end up in kenshi's hands right like that feels like what's about to happen because we know kenshi is a swordsman in the game um my assumption was going to be he was going to use this as a way to recruit kenshi for the black dragon oh I thought to kill Kano. I thought that, he wanted that, that Kenshi to kill work. Kano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it was going to be one of those two things. Um, yeah. But no. So they go to this uh, ruined area, you know, these old temple ruins. You could see the Mortal Kombat logo clearly on like one of the archways. And they descend down into this cavernous area. And there is a kind of sealed up well that will only be opened by someone of takahashi blood which kenshi sees uh in the in the engraving on this on this stone uh day and so uh shang sung kind of cuts his hand open has him bleed out onto this uh stone tablet and it allows it to be removed and kenshi looks down into the well and he's like, I don't see anything. There's a sword here. Wait a second. <laughs> to, which, well, to which Shang Tsung's like, keep looking. <laughs> don't take your eyes off of it. Yes. Uh, and then he keeps looking and he sees this brilliant green light start to bubble up from the bottom of the well. And it shoots out in a giant brilliant column and sears Kenshi's eyes completely out of his skull. Yeah, just and like, like burns a, holes in. Yeah, it's not even that it blinds him, it just completely melts his eyeballs. Leaving him blind and writhing on the floor. Um, Shang Tsung, by the way, has been pretending his name was Song this whole time. Yeah. And like, you can't come up with a better, like, fake name. Like, yes, Shang Song <laughs> is my <laughs> name. Um, but uh he's like my name's not song it's sung shang sung and this well holds my power um so he he does the the classic your your soul is mine except he says your souls are mine to the column of spirits erupting from this well gathers them all up and transforms into a a young fit man uh well younger he still looks like he's probably about 40 yeah he's like middle-aged as opposed to ancient and decrepit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but he he uh, transforms, gains all this power, and then uh, <laughs> one of the moments I was really hoping for here is that uh, Kenshi says, "Just kill me. I don't want to live if I have to live like this." And rather than let him like go on with the sad boy ramble, he just grabs his throat and chokes him, and. Uh, I, 
like that could have been so great if he just like popped his head and that was the end of Kenshi for this movie. I would have loved it. I would have thought it was great. Instead, this movie has to progress. So instead, he throws him down the well. And and when you know it, at the bottom uh-huh. of the well of souls, uh-huh. just where you would stick this kind of magical thing, kind of uh-huh. not even like not in a pedestal, not like sword in the stone style, just really just kind of laying there at the bottom of the well uh, haphazardly is this magic sword that was promised to him for going on this mission, which is very funny to me that um, Shang Tsung's whole ruse depended on an actual magic sword being potentially <laughs> available. Like if you're going to trap someone and, and trick them into opening a well of souls to give you power, there doesn't have to be a sword involved. Um, presumably his ancestors, you know, the Kenshi's ancestors left that right. sword there, but um why would they leave it at the bottom of the well? <laughs> Maybe it was in like a nice like emplacement at the bottom of the well, and then Shang Tsung came along and dumped a bunch of his extra souls down there, and it knocked it yeah. out of place, and then he yeah. sealed it up. This is the other question: is like who put those souls down there? Because why would Shang Tsung have done that with a seal that is not something he can access? But, right. So you have to assume those souls were taken from Shang Tsung but then not like released into wherever souls go. Instead, the, the, the family of this, of Kenshi was like, hmm, we better bind those up somewhere. And you know what? Just in case an old wizard steals them all, leave a magic sword in with them so that anyone who, anyone who needs it can get it. I do like your uh, attempt to be non-religious, like keep it secular, like wherever souls might go, well, you know, whatever, I, like, look, I play Dungeons and Dragons. There are a lot of outer planes where different souls go for different reasons. And that's how I like to think of the universe. <laughs> this universe has a lot of different planes as well. We've got Nether Realm. We've got the the hell fireplace that Scorpion that's, comes from. I, that's that that's Nether Realm. You just Oh, well what's the other one? Outworld. Other world? Uh, Outworld? Yeah. Outworld and then okay. Earth Realm. So we've got Outworld, yes. we've got Earth Realm, and we've got Nether Realm. Souls probably don't go to anywhere other than nether realm <laughs> like probably most know. likely um heaven yeah. realm heaven realm soul place <laughs> soul kingdom yeah so shang chi or uh shang sung is mm-hmm. all powered up now um he is going to go back to k-town and he's gonna kick some k-ass yeah. um so he barges in to the throne room for lack of a better term uh where kano is residing on his throne still and he is just so excited that shang sung is here he's like ah mate i knew you'd go get that well souls yeah um yeah, yeah. and which shang sung is surprised by and he's like oh yes. i know you do this you do it all the time yeah <laughs> I've, I've made this world a thousand times mate yeah can't beat me you're always <laughs> doing the betrayal and whatnot yeah. um apologies to any australian listeners yeah. we are we're, it's so offensively bad because we're not it's not offensively bad just to make an australian accent but just because we're so terrible at it like we're not doing a good job but it's fun it is it's fun <laughs> it's... so shang sung as like a example of his strength just starts disintegrating nameless goons yeah. in this in this uh throne room well he's like throwing like his soul fireballs out and 
Kano is like racing behind goons and using them as human shields, which is so fun because they're just getting like disintegrated entirely, like down to like bits of charred flesh yeah. uh, in front of him. Um, and then he, yeah. he, he uses uh, uh, a Cobra as one and we get <laughs> like a kind of more drawn out version like Cobra being like, ah, and he's like, oh, sorry, mate. And then yeah. keeps keeps shoots 25 bullets out of his six chamber revolver (laughs) uh to try to to try to kill shang sung but shang sung uh manages to close the gap and picks up kano and he goes your soul is mine because that's what i say all the time and then Mm -hmm. tries to catch phrase (laughs) absorb uh kano's soul uh to which Kano pretends to writhe in pain mm-hmm. as he glows with green soul fire. And then he's like, no, nope, don't got a soul, mate. Yeah. <laughs> and, which, what? Got rid of that a long time ago. What is that? What does that mean? Is it because he's I, mostly a robot? Yeah, I I don't know if it's that. I was wondering that too. But I think this must be what we learn later. And, and like this scene is the first hint of it. Because I even asked the question, I was like, does this imply when he says I've made this world and I'll make it again uh, a thousand times or something like that, it it certainly implies that Kano has stepped out beyond this reality in some way, right? Like part of that could be like, oh, maybe he just means he caused the apocalypse, right? But it feels more like he has lived this experience before. But I think, yeah, I think he's he's been caught off guard by shang sung trying to steal his soul before shang sung just doesn't remember it um because of fuckery that we'll find out about and uh so so he knew this could happen and he knew he'd be fine and his reasoning is i don't have a soul whether that's the reason or not doesn't even matter it probably is that that those cybernetics have erased him or maybe just being an evil fuck has done it (laughs) i don't know yeah yeah, I'm uh, just curious, like, because it, it's just one of those kind of hand wavy things to like keep Very. Kano in the game, uh, and I'm like, uh, you can't just say you don't have a soul. <laughs> like, yeah, that right. doesn't. I don't think that's how it works. Yeah. Um, but we whether get an or absolutely not he, brutal finish of Shang Tsung at that point. Yes. Uh, he kano kind of bashes his face in uh so we get like his kind of half broken jaw like half of his face is basically just collapsed into a a a cavity and then he picks him up and starts bashing his head continuously against the wall which kind of like indents his face even more uh and so he can like barely speak at this point and he's you know completely toothless and then kano just rips his head off of his uh, uh, body pulling out his spinal column with it and it kind of like groans in like a last gasp mm-hmm. uh, and Kano's like ah, I'm the king ah. <laughs> nobody can fuck with Kano <laughs> Kano fucks you yeah uh, so yeah I like more of just the absolutely brutal like again if you're watching it this is why you watch it for these ridiculous over the top kills um, and just to set up that surprise, your big bad villain of this movie is Kano, like the worst, like usually very minion-y level kind of bad guy in yeah. the other movies um, is the top dog in this one. And that, that was a fun twist. It is better than doing another uh, Shang Tsung final fight with magic right. and green flames everywhere and 
whatever. It's just like, oh, this is this is going to be a very different experience. Not maybe not all that different, but <laughs> yeah, because at this point in the game, like in the attract mode game, like we're pretty well aware of the power levels or like the ranking the power ranking mm-hmm. of i mean it's literally i mean they have that in the fucking more combat games right you like climb that tower, tower mm-hmm. but it's like you know kano and then shang Tsung is above kano maybe not immediately but like shang Tsung is above kano shao Kahn is above shang Tsung. you have an elder god up there uh, above above those guys so it, it is nice to see that get mixed up a bit yeah at least to have a see a movie that has at least a few surprises after it fully rips off Mad Max and tons of other media. So where where do we go from here? I am trying to remember. Um, well, we have uh, well. Uh, Ken Shi. Well, well, uh, well. <laughs> we have a man climbing out of a well. Yes. Uh, after he discovers a sword that can both speak to him and also grants him Daredevil echolocation. Yeah, the sword's like I am the sword of your ancestors. Pick me up, and you can see. And then he does, and he gets little like beams of light. It is it is terrible Daredevil echolocation though. As I mean, if your eyes were burned out, you would take it, right? You would be like, well, this is better than nothing. <laughs> yeah. But you wouldn't feel like, well, this is gonna make me superhuman. <laughs> like you would feel like, well, this puts me at an extreme disadvantage from most other fighters, but I will accept this. Yes. Um so you get like pulses in the way they visualize it anyway. It's like everything's black. And then like a little ring pulse light will go out and then that will, as it passes over things topographically, kind of, you know, paint the highlights of them. Yeah. Um, but those pulses are not like, it's more like, <laughs> boom, boom. Yeah. It's like so a very slow, lots, yeah, a very slow sonar. Lots of time for gaps in between where someone who is standing in one frame could be decking you in the face before the next and and you would never know it um and he's expected like he's, he's like okay now i got a magic sword i'm gonna become a great fighter again <laughs> in spite of my blindness well i mean he doesn't really think that because he has he to doesn't. clamber out of the well and then yeah. he like wanders through the wastes and happens luckily fortunately passes yeah. out collapses in front of sub-zero's house so sub-zero takes him in yeah well he does say he has a destiny and shang sung even implies that he has a destiny even though it may be just to manipulate him so maybe maybe he really does have a destiny and that's why he's you know like in the fiction of this universe destinies might be a real thing and and he is destined to go on um but he finds he finds sub-zero and sub-zero is like i'm not going to train you how to fight um or he specifically is like you got to train me and then i'll go and i'll kill um why does he want to kill kano kano didn't do this to him does he want to kill hey that's an interesting (laughs) (laughs) i just realized this he has no idea that the guy who betrayed him is dead at this point and oh yeah that's true and he doesn't learn that really at any point on screen yeah but he just kind of applies all of his vengeance quest to Kano. He's like, well, yes. I guess I have to kill him because he's the one in charge. <laughs> right. I mean, like, I mean, it's not just Shang Tsung, though, um, because no, he, also, no. he also got his ass whipped by the other Black Dragon folks before that. Right. But it, it, it certainly feels like he wants vengeance out the gate, but has no idea that vengeance is completely unattainable for him for 
Shang Tsung. But he doesn't want vengeance because he really he, talks about like defending people as well. That right? comes that comes later though. His first instinct is he's like, you have to teach me how to fight so we can go kill these guys. And that seems like it's because I've just gotten my ass kicked and thrown down a well and I'm mad about it. Like, you stole my vision. I'm pissed off. Uh, maybe, maybe he feels like, oh, I need to go do the right thing. The The character's motivations are very inconsistent because the first time we meet him, he's like, oh, no, I'm not a hero. I am just looking for a good fight. And then later, um, when he sees some people in trouble after he's had some training, he is uh, he's like, we have to go save them. And he's like, you can't go saving people. You can't go looking for fights. You're fucking blind, first of all. And and second of all, I, I said he sees some people. He experiences some people uh, through he, he, magic perception he, and hearing. Yeah, he echolocates some people. Uh, yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> he he uh, he's like, we got to go save them. He's like, you can't do that. You'll, you'll get killed. I didn't train you to die. Um and I trained you to live. Right. That's a phrase that's uttered multiple times. But then he says, or Sub-Zero says, uh, come back to the farm, live a simple life with me at peace and, you know, like happiness. And he's like, that would have been great before I lost my eyes and found the sword. But now I have to do this thing. And it's like, n- no, before you lost your eyes and found the sword, you were a kind of a dick who wanted to fight people. Like you weren't someone who was ever willing to settle down because you were looking to be the champion wherever you went. You talked about making money in fighting arenas and things like that. Like nothing about your character was about settling down on a farm ever. And and I think this heroics thing kind of is also weird because he only trains, you know, it's it's montage so you don't know how many days he trains with Sub-Zero, but his training doesn't feel like it takes a long time, right? It feels like a few days and then when they see these people in need, he's like, you taught me to help people in need. You, It's almost like he's like treating him like he raised him from childhood, where he's like, you taught me all of these important values, and I have to follow them. And it's like, dude, I just met you. Like, even if we've had weeks together, I didn't really change, you know, like your whole perspective on everyone that way. Yeah. I, I never taught you to go fight to save people. I taught you to maybe pick up a straggler on your farm and feed them. You know, like that's the on only your, thing I've on your done. Immaculate small farm that, farm that provides yeah. uh, bountiful produce every day of the year for some reason. Yeah. Um. I mean, this uh, it's it's a it's an easy problem to fall into with something like this. You know, mm-hmm. relatively mid to low budget animated movie directed yeah. streaming or whatever. It's like it, the movie gets very hand wavy because it's relying so much on tropes. It's like, ah, it's Mad Max. It's like, ah, post-apocalypse, you get it. Ah, okay, it's a training montage, wandering hero, blah, blah, He's blah. He's a protagonist. He's got to be a hero. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, so it's not great. Motivations are muddied and you all see where it's going. You're like, okay, yeah. he's going to train him up and yeah, yeah, yeah. Seemingly gives him the fucking ability to like phase shift because he becomes so good at fighting as a blind person. Like he doesn't even need the sword to perceive things that happen. We're, we're dealing with supernatural qualities of people here. Right. But he is teaching them t- teaching Kenshi to use his senses other than, his obviously other than his vision but also other than the sword so he's constantly like raising his awareness of other senses he's like um he teaches him to smell out 
poisons by poisoning his soup and making him like decide if he's going to eat it or not he makes him uh try to track chickens by sound out in the cornfield he um uh he does something about smelling vinegar i can't remember what it was but uh, basically describes his own scent he's like i'm an old man that doesn't bathe i smell worse than vinegar yeah yeah he's like use your my, your scent to find me so he makes him fight without the the magic sword and that kind of thing what's so funny to me is he's like i'm not going to train you for vengeance then maybe don't train him fighting techniques at all like if your goal is i don't want this guy to fight i just want this guy to be able to live with his handicap why the fuck does he need combat training as part of that he's it, like the the mentor relationship is fully setting him up as someone who's going to go yeah. to vengeance and he's like, does he not get it? <laughs> so Right. There's literally a part in the montage where he is jumping from like wood pillar to wood pillar, like stake giant stakes in the ground, yeah. single footed while balancing two pails of stones on his back. Mm-hmm. It's like that no point in like a regular per- person's life would that be that yeah. intense amount of training be necessary for someone with a handicap. Right. Um but the training, uh, you know, gets to that point in every training montage where it's like, I can't do it. I just can't. And he's like, can't is poison for your mind. And you must, because we all know no matter what your disability is, no matter what yeah. adversity you're facing in life, no matter how hard anything is, even if it pushes beyond the limits of human potential, if you say you can't do it, you'll never do it. But if you decide you can if your head's strong enough, you can break reality and push on through to this wonderful supernatural gift. It's, of <laughs> it's all about the mindset, baby. It's all yeah. about what's up here, right in the right in the dome, right in the meat space. Let me tell you, I've read the secret. I know it's all about <laughs> positive reinforcement, positive thinking, self actualization. And if you can't fight as a blind person, you're just not trying hard enough you're not putting those positive <laughs> vibes into the world that's what i'm trying to say it's such a toxic, sign up like, for my seminar. outdated mindset to to just go with the like like there's value to a piece of that right like you must try in order to succeed right that that as a concept has value but the push of you'll never possibly fail if you're always trying like no matter what you're doing you can succeed because you have no limits as a person as long as you believe in yourself that is crazy and unhealthy uh, like keeping things within a certain realm of reason it doesn't make for a good story obviously um but man it it's so outdated and it's so weird to see it again in another movie i don't know why it shouldn't be weird it should be like i just expect it at this point but uh Turns out it works. Turns out it does great things for you. So they're they they're having this conversation when they see ex- notice whatever by whatever senses that the town is uh, nearby is burning. The raiders are in it. The raiders are killing the people who refuse to bow to Kano. And and the thing is, when they were last in that town, they were like, "We'll be back in a day, and you'll pay fealty." And now. It does feel like at least a couple days of training have happened, but definitely not one day, but also definitely not like months of training, like definitely a couple days have passed. Well, Shang Tsung did 
kind of walk through and take out a couple of his forces so maybe they had to they had to regroup over a couple days yeah but but the training jumping from i'm blind and can't function to now i'm like an incredible badass warrior happens in about three days it seems like that's all my reckoning yeah um weekend seminar yeah uh so um kenshi wants to go to the town uh uh sub-zero says no and that's where sub-zero sort of reveals his backstory as to why he doesn't use his powers to fight and why he won't go and fight in this scenario do you want to delve into that yeah so it kind of goes to a flashback and this also kind of explains the revenant stuff because at this point in the story we're like i don't know three quarters of the way into the movie or whatever we're still kind of in the dark as the as to the reasoning why the world turned out the way it is right now um but yeah he talks about this huge invasion of revenants doesn't really no explanation is like how they got there into earth realm but they try to fight them off and the lin Kuei go into the city nondescript major city to try to uh clear it out of all the revenants well and my impression was it's k-town i mean it's what k-town used to be oh sure it, yeah, it yeah, looks yeah. like the same buildings as k-town but now right but is what I, well, yeah but what i meant is like at the time we still don't know what city it's yes. supposed to be yeah. whether yeah, it's a yeah, city yeah. in asia or something like that yeah um and sub-zero kind of and to be clear this is sub-zero two uh not yes. the first sub-zero i think bihan is the first sub-zero this one is uh i forget his brother's name this Zihan. is sub-zero two yes <laughs> thank you their father ahan was yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah we'll name them after me my influential lineage. yeah but uh sub-zero two unleashes his uh cryomancy and um loses control of it because apparently that's a thing you can do when you're sub-zero is like you can it's it's you're like a sorcerer you're like tapping into the wild magics of, mm-hmm. of the world and uh they get away from him and cause this giant chain reaction that kills not only the revenants but all all the citizens of the city and all of his clan members um you know in cases of an ice or stabs them with giant icy spikes and he becomes disillusioned and sad and s- swears to himself he will never he will never freeze again yeah my heart is too cold um yeah so he kills his entire clan which why were they all so close i guess but <laughs> that's that's a different story i guess uh he has, he has but no i think he like the 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 ice powers go he, like through the entire say, city yeah like, he just does like say it takes over everything. the whole city yeah uh, just but like no one in the clan was anywhere else no one was back at you know the the <laughs> dojo or whatever nope they had, um, they had to all come this is a yeah mission um it's like in the last batman movie where well not the last batman movie <laughs> last dark knight movie where all of the cops in the entire city all go into the subway it's like you didn't leave one cop back at the like precinct house in each one like every single cop went down and got trapped in the subway this is not how operations work you don't send every single person in your force anywhere um, so uh they um he's revealed this story and he's saying he will not go he will not use his powers they have a little bit of a fight um but they decide to turn away from each other 
and um, Kenshi does go to the town to to try to save the day. Um, <laughs> Sub-Zero just watches from a distance, not helping at any point he could have. And naturally, uh, I think I think Kenshi does a decent job when he first gets there, if my memory is correct, but then ultimately gets overwhelmed by, is it Tremor again? Yes. I mean, I think he's fighting both. He's fighting Tremor, Cabal, and Aaron Black. Aaron um, Black, yeah, that's right. Because Aaron Black is like a cowboy on a know, motorcycle. Right, but he also is a, you know, crack shot. And so he can mm-hmm. shoot anything with his... With his dueling revolvers. Pew, pew. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, he gets overwhelmed. And um, instead of killing him, Kano decides that they're going to take him back to K-Town and make an example out of him. An example to who? I don't know because everyone in yeah. K-Town is already loyal to Kano. So what is the point of this exercise? Just just renewing the, you know, the the fear. That's right. I forgot. He does. Yeah, he, he like slips in while Kano is entertaining in like some building and he kills a good number of Kano's like goons like all of them but the three named ones who are there is basically how it goes down um and and which is crazy to me because at any point Sub-Zero could have been like I better help this kid let me get in here and help then it would have turned the fight entirely but instead he he lets him get kidnapped and taken back and then sub-zero does something that like i I felt like i knew what he was going to do but i wasn't quite sure goes back to the farm goes into this thing hanging on the wall which is this like um uh i don't know like it's like a kunai yes yeah thank you yeah like a blade uh of some kind like a kunai um and it it, like very much stylistically looks like a scorpion weapon i was like when does sub-zero have something like that um and he pours a bunch of gasoline all over his farm and burns it down. People could have used this. No matter yeah. what happens to Sub-Zero, one of these random peasant villagers could come by and be like, oh, there's just naturally growing food here. Like, you know, the farm has gone wild, but there's still some good stuff. Yeah. I'll eat and livestock. There's livestock Li- here. Yeah, he does free the livestock before he burns the farm. But now that livestock who has depended on humanity to feed it is just out there in you know, the wild. It's, it's a real shitty thing to do, Sub-Zero. <laughs> but he pours gasoline all over everything, lights it on fire, and that summons Scorpion, uh, who comes in as this flaming, you know, more traditional revenant of what we think, not the, the undead zombie thing, but a, uh, a man from hell. Um, and and that was a good line here where he comes in and he says, did you lose control again? Um, implying that, like, they have a deal that if he fucks up, if he loses, if he he causes the same level of harm that he did when he gave up his powers scorpion would come for him and he says no but i'm about to <laughs> um i'm gonna uh, lose it man i'm telling you i'll lose control uh so we get sub-zero and scorpion teaming up which is what everybody always wants in every mortal combat you know they either have to fight or team up those are the only two options fire and um, ice baby yeah and they uh we cut to kano with kenshi who has him like up on two girders like tied to them yeah crucified basically and uh pretty fucking brutal like this guy who's already had his eyes cut out and then thrown down a well he tells aaron black to kill him slowly which since he uses just guns he takes that to mean like knock off pieces of him and shoots off his 
pinky and ring finger on both of Kenshi's hands. Uh, I don't know why this bothers me so much, <laughs> but like, that's what an awful way to like be shot to pieces slowly is a, a terrible way to die. Um, but after he has had his, his two, his four fingers collectively shot off, um, that's when the, the skies go cold and, you know, like they think it might be a sandstorm, but it's actually like a, an ice storm rolling into town. And again, I just don't think it's super earned. Kenshi's like starts, you know, kind of like battered protagonist laughter. Where he's like, you thought you, you thought you had me dead to rights, but now there's something coming for you. Something worse and unstoppable, something you couldn't imagine. <laughs> and it's like. <laughs> What are you gabbing on about, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, come on, mate. Shut Why is you up. all nip, nipply napply out here? <laughs> now that's getting very British. <laughs> um, but it it feels like he's like, oh, I've seen you don't know the horrors I've seen, kind of thing with Sub Zero, where he's like, you've you've pissed off something ancient and powerful. It's like, no, yeah. he's just another guy. <laughs> he is a very powerful guy. His power scale is higher than probably everyone in this fight, other than kano himself maybe but uh it it feels misplaced because it doesn't feel like kenshi would have that level of confidence in sub-zero in this moment you know like he might be happy he's getting rescued but he doesn't seem like he'd be like ah you fucked up now 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 you're gonna get it because he hasn't seen an example of that happening he's only exactly because the stories have held and because he doesn't have any idea scorpions here either so like there's no reason for that but I will say from this moment on, it is like this is what made it a fun movie for me because it is just graphic violence, <laughs> insane Mortal Kombat kills over and over again. All of these characters, uh, you know, every named character we've mentioned in Kano's group dies uh, horribly and it's wonderful. Do you want to run down the list or how do we want to handle what is essentially 30 minutes of violence at this point? Yeah, I don't want to be exhaustive about it. Like, yeah, I the one that really got me was the Farah and Tor kill, which is the the master blaster, master blaster ma- from yeah, yeah. Um, because for that one, and I don't know which one fair which one Farah is and which one Tor is. I think Tor is the big one. Yeah, um, I can tell you that sounds right. But bowl like they, yes, I think yes. Tara is the 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 smaller one that rides on tour. Um, but <laughs> I think Scorpion like stabs Tara through Tor's head, like throws his kunai oh, through Tor's head, and then stabs Tara, and then rips Tara back down through his head. You know, obviously murdering Tor, but yeah. then swings her around like a flail, like a like a like a ball and chain, and is just knocking her into other people. Like it's like comical, right? Yeah. And Mortal Kombat has always had like a certain amount of like oh, gory, yeah. violent comedy to it. But this this is so slapstick in the way he is just whipping this small person around. And it's like this seems gratuitous. Oh, it's all the, gratuitous. The Every worst bit of it. way. <laughs> um but then Aaron it's, Black it's, it's not like, a quality product but it <laughs> is it is fun I think. And I think there are some more fun things like um in uh well you're going to say Aaron Black and I don't remember how he dies but I was thinking of Cabal 
when we get that yes. moment we get some fun stuff when we get um kano is is gets sort of surrounded by the three protagonists and is fighting them all at once and he's got this like sword arm and at one point he like ratchets the sword arm completely backwards and stabs someone behind him i love that when um cabal and scorpion are fighting cabal has scorpion like impaled on two blades and held over his head and seems like he's about to rip him in half but takes too much time to do that scorpion manages to pull himself off and then just explodes himself on cabal just like takes them both out and we get this that was the one that i think made you the most uncomfortable because we get this like skull to face um like fiery explosion uh, of the two of them facing off with each other, Scorpion's skull and, and um, uh, Cabal's face. And Cabal's metal mask burns away, and then his skin starts to burn away, and then his, you know, like, his skull is disintegrating, but his eyeball, in the process of that, that, like, bursts, like, pops, like, and, yeah. and it's it's fucking awful, but wonderful at the same time. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, 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 it's pretty messy. And then Aaron Black, I think, also gets, no, I think he gets killed by either scorpion or uh kenshi is someone with a bladed weapon but they like Mm -hmm. stab him and then into his stomach and then cut him lengthwise up and down and just cuts him clean in half um we also had a really good excuse for they they threw in a lot of video game references throughout this um but the x-ray kills that you'll earn like when you see bones breaking in the game sure that kind of thing we had a really good excuse for that where i think uh kira is fighting kenshi and she's just too fast for him his like pulse vision is doing the thing that i think probably everyone would realistically do to him but um it's you know she's like moving in between the pulses and she's too quick for him so he like slows down puts the blade up where his eyes are and just kind of like super focuses on it and manages to to let her stab him but using that stab at her but we're seeing the entire thing from his like blue highlight perspective so we're out of the normal uh world of, of vision they've dulled the audio which doesn't really make sense because really his audio should be like super crystal clear and heightened but whatever it sounds like we're underwater um but we get to see him stab into her belly and then as he lifts her sword because he's able to like see sound he can focus on her heartbeat and see her heartbeat as he cuts straight through it and it's all done in blue and black i thought that was awesome <laughs> it was like a really good excuse and a fun moment um for this and, yeah i think it worked well uh, yeah and they they do enough of that like the, he, when he fights tremor they they do they so like i said we're in the tower so i think that's why tremor doesn't use so many of his like magma spikes and things like that um but they end up smashing through the floor which is just like Mortal Kombat when you fall through a right. level into another stage. Yeah. So another like, reference. Yeah. Um, another good moment there. Th- that fight wasn't very impressive to me, though. The the one thing he does in that fight that was cool is he at some point trains in telekinetically like <laughs> force pulling his sword to him uh, or doing like what, you know, Thor does in, in the Avengers movies with Mjolnir. And he manages the sword gets knocked out of his hands um tremor is like squeezing him to death and is saying like you're nothing without your sword he somehow with with only those two fingers on that hand right he's got a thumb and two fingers can she manages to like pressure point or or something 
Tremor's wrist, causing the rocks to crumble away, um, gets free and then summons his sword right through Tremor's head. I thought that was was fine. You know, yeah. it didn't didn't the, work as well for me. It wasn't, and that wasn't, an, and that, and before that, Tremor had the opportunity to kind of sear kenshi's flesh so he has like this giant like third degree burn on like his neck and collar from where tremor was like kind of clasped his hands around him so i think if anything i do like that there is permanent damage on the characters like i think the 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 ability for a story to not pull punches in that way if like if it is a story that deals with violence and and harm to others like you know, if you're going to do violence to people, like don't do this superhero type thing where everyone's okay at the end. Like I like right. that you get knocked like, around and it, you, you, ping you will pong be scarred. Off of everything. Well, you will, you'll be scarred. You'll be there. You know, there'll be, there'll be battle scars. There'll be, the damage will be shown. Well, that's the funny thing early in the movie when he got his ass kicked by Tremor the first time we were like, Oh man, he looks really bad. And then the very next scene, he's like fully clean faced again. And it's like, what? what happened why didn't that stick but yeah this stuff at the end rides out the rest of the movie like losing the fingers keeping the burns and then we get to sub-zero and kano's fight which was pretty rad yeah um i I, you know sub-zero is able to uh sort of push kano back and catch him off guard um, they do knock his head off. The, the three of them collectively knock his head off like Rock'em Sock'em Robot style um, in, in a very comical way. But turns out he's got like a long extended cable that runs from his you know base of his skull back to his body. And it just snaps his head back into place. And uh, Kano runs away. And everyone kind of gets separated at that point in their own little fights except for Sub-Zero who keeps on his tail. And ends up following him back to his chambers where Shang Tsung was sneaking around with that special door. Um, Kano puts the skull of someone, we're not entirely sure who, probably probably Kronika, I guess, given yes. what happens. Yeah. Um, but uh, puts her skull in the wall and it like opens the door and is this bad CG 3D <laughs> realm uh, of... Um, it looks like those machine videos you'll see online of like this shredder can destroy anything. And they put like a whole couch in it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's like that, but like all over the place. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and, and trying to give it this, uh, like, you know, kind of this work. idea of like clockwork mechanisms. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and on that there in the middle of that, there is a, a giant, uh, like hourglass. Um, yes dubbed chronica's hourglass by kano in case you were at all confused by the very (laughs) basic placement of these important items Um, but i i like this i like this as an explanation for why we're in this post-apocalyptic world as kano explains he has the power to rewrite history and he's just been doing it it fully makes that seated line earlier where he's like i made this world and i'll make it again mate uh (laughs) like that works you know for me to have like oh there was a mystery i could kind of guess at and did kind of guess at and uh he he is trying to remake the world again because this one went poorly for him not because he ever had like a big grand plan he's literally just an asshole playing around with time 
and this one didn't work so he's going to reset it and start over and play around with another one i i find that fascinating i love that that's no big grand villain scheme just i've already won and i'm toying with you it's kind of twilight zony in its own way like you don't have to know how things came into power they just are and then you you're living in that that little horror um and and you know um very evocative of mortal Kombat 11 because obviously like chronica and all yes. that stuff was like the main villains of 11 with this all like time manipulation stuff and you get old johnny cage and young johnny cage like fighting by my side side by side but it's also at the end of that game depending on what character you're playing as um they get to basically rewrite history in their own yeah you know so uh, the assumption would be then that game happened kano won and this is the result (laughs) this is the extended ending of kano winning which i think is a great like not not starting the movie by saying there was a great tournament and blah 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 and kano succeeded and took the power yeah we didn't have to do some stupid long over voiceover you know (laughs) yeah uh, intro that set up everything it was like actually you'll figure it out yeah and i commend the movie for having the restraint to let us figure it out as we go because it made the watching way more engaging um and i mean again it's not a great story it's not a great movie but i was engaged with it i was entertained um so in this fight we do uh we get some like fighting on the crazy grinder things and dodging them as they they come back around um uh the kano breaks some of them which makes me wonder if that like upsets cosmic balance in the universe somehow he's like laser eyeing them and and slicing them apart um but what i did think was fun is that like he (laughs) kano cuts off sub-zero's fingers at one point when he's hanging off a ledge sub-zero makes like a an ice axe on a chain and uses that to hook onto kano's back and pull himself back up and then um the final like moment where he gets him is he he realizes that like hitting Kano with ice on the armor just isn't doing much. So he manages to shove a hand into Kano's shoulder and like make an ice block between his parts of his cybernetics and just kind of ice rips him apart. Um, which was a fun, like just, I, I don't know. I like that visual of like, not just constantly hitting with ice or freezing something, but like, injecting ice into the enemy as a cool move yeah um he also rips off his own arm at one point sub-zero uh yeah. because kano has it pinned with the sword and he's like just well i guess i'll just i'll I, if i think i can't then that would be poison <laughs> for my mind self-actualization mm, sub-zero yes. i will self-actualization my arm off of my shoulder <laughs> and rip it right out of there um but he 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 kills Kano manages to destroy this whole time thing instead of, you know, like you pointed out fixing any of it, (laughs) rewriting anything to prevent him from killing his whole clan or whatever. Or even like, because he was trying to do that in the middle of the fight, like during, there were multiple times during the fight where each one of them would rush to the hourglass. Cause if you touch it, you can like manifest whatever changes you want. And they keep stopping each other from doing it. But then once Sub Zero wins, he's like, "Well, eh, just we'll just stick with this world. Yeah. This world's fine." 
yeah. I guess. They're our, our, you know, irradiated wasteland. It's good enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, they get out of there. They they collapse the whole place on itself. And then Kenshi, Scorpion, and Sub-Zero are left to say that basically Kenshi wants to restart the Lin Kuei with Sub-Zero. I don't know if he knows how babies are made, but that's not <laughs> going to work, I don't think. <laughs> um but also, he, he knows he, nothing about the Lin Kuei <laughs> as like a culture or anything. He's like, I yeah. leave it to you. I don't know I what to do. He, to he knew enough to recognize Sub-Zero in the beginning of the movie. So he must have some like education on Lin Kuei in some way. Um, what we don't know the extent. But he knows something, I guess. Uh, but he he's like, nope, I can't do that because I made a promise to Scorpion that if I ever use my powers again, he could take me to hell. <laughs> <laughs> like does this not seem like i mean you were in control of your powers the whole time so not seem like maybe you even before he says that he says you are right i should be using my powers to help people well time to go to hell <laughs> <laughs> right which which like is that a self-imposed punishment or is that yeah. something that scorpion was like hey you're out of control and if you ever do this again i will take you like i am your jailer and i will take you to hell myself yeah nether don't hell no which nether hell yeah, yeah. i don't i don't know it's yeah. um it's why i mean like it's all just it's it's contrivances to get to the story that they want to tell yeah um which i mean again this is so so low energy that it's fine like if that's what if they want it to resolve yeah. like this fine whatever it's all tropey yeah, I still think it's pretty fucked up, Sub Zero, that you did just rewrite history to make it so that all of these people didn't have to suffer in a yeah a terrible wasteland. But okay, I guess you can just go to hell and feel fulfilled. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's all you need, asshole. Yeah, torture yourself just because you're so important. It's so important you learn your lesson in hell for all eternity. Mm-hmm. You think he's gonna get stabbed, like chained up to to giant spike columns, and get tortured by a World of Warcraft orc like yes. Scorpion was at the first movie? Yeah, for sure. Okay, okay it'll great. be like a really hot rock that melts all of his ice when he tries to use ice powers. So yeah, he can't use that. <laughs> I I uh, yeah, I mean it's it's like it's a bad movie, but it was an enjoyably bad movie. I don't know, like. It wasn't it wasn't so bad. There's so many movies we've watched that have felt so painful to watch. And at least this kept the like promise of what Mortal Kombat action should be up throughout the whole thing. I feel like the first one, what I remember of it, was that it started super gory and violent and like better animation, by the way, in the that intro of the first one than anything else that we've seen from this series yet. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Not remembering the second movie. I'm pretty sure that's true. Having <laughs> <laughs> this big blank in my head of this apparently yeah. second movie that we supposedly watched. Yeah. But like I I felt like they really dropped it after like the opening in that movie, the first one. This one was like, no, no, we're going to keep it going for most of the movie at least. Not the middle montage stuff that was a little unnecessary, but um they they you know, the price of admission is towards seeing violence <laughs> and that's that's what it gave i think i think they f they must find it hard to balance johnny cage humor 
with the yeah. super over the top gore. I mean, that's just my assumption because it does seem like whenever Johnny Cage comes into play, it gets a little less gory because I mean he's like yeah. getting kicked in nuts and stuff for comedic yeah. effect. So he he's not punching someone's skull into bits. Right, but they should be. <laughs> like, I mean, and he does in the games, right? Like, he'll rip right. a guy's heart out or whatever. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, but I don't know. what do well, you, what do you think, Dylan? How do you feel about this movie? Um, I mean, I don't know. I felt like I was a big proponent of these animated ones because they felt like, I mean, you know me, I didn't like that original '95 live action Mortal Kombat movie because uh, <laughs> I have good taste. And these you're ones, fool. you're a damn fool. <laughs> yeah, fool, mate. And these ones, yeah, these ones are fine. I think I think it's diminishing returns. Um, mm. They have already announced that they're going to do another one yeah, next year. That's, I wish they wouldn't do that. <laughs> called Cage Match, which I assume is focused on Johnny Cage. Um, How funny would it be if it's not at all? <laughs> if Johnny Cage just isn't in it, but they're calling it Cage Match. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, these these are again inoffensive. Well, unless unless popping eyeballs offends you, and then God, it's just it's it's a lot inoffensive right? to us. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a it, it it's the volume of gore. You know, like it was just like it was a lot by the end there. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, I thought it was fine. I I really don't feel strongly either which way about it. Compared to other fighting game movies, though, how do you like? We got to avoid a lot of the tropes, not all of them, obviously, because we were heavily, heavily embedded in tropes in this, yeah. but not the typical fighting game movie tropes, I felt right. like. No no naked shower scene, unfortunately. No no naked shower scene. <laughs> we didn't have like a cast of seven protagonists, which the first one had, which bothered me. You know, we like we really focused on just these two. I hate the name of this movie, by the way, calling it Snowblind because it's the blind swordsman and sub-zero is painful to me on some level i can't explain like that's so dumb and i i I remember while we were watching this movie thinking up to the point where i like recognized why it's named this i was like there's not any snow (laughs) like (laughs) it's just like i thought this was going to end up being in like an arctic you know tundra area at some point and I'm like, how are they in the desert calling it Snowblind? And I thought maybe Sub-Zero was going to summon a storm that like blanketed the area in snow at some point. But when it became clear he was like the old mentor character, I was like, that doesn't seem like it's going to happen. <laughs> and then the guy lost his vision and they started training together. And I was like, oh, <laughs> it all comes together. I hate it. I hate that terrible name I, I can't wait for the next one to feature johnny cage but have no cage matches and you'd be like so when are we gonna get one of these cage matches well he's gonna like light a cigarette at the end <laughs> that'll be the cage match mm-hmm. yeah um yeah uh but i i do think you're right diminishing returns i mean what really helped me was forgetting the entire second movie because really <laughs> this doesn't feel like it diminished as much Amnesia is a hell of a drug. Apparently, I, I I am remembering the bug lady in the second movie. Yeah, a little yeah. bit now. So that like that is starting to piece it together. From around that, I can remember kind of being in this fighting pit. I think the like Aztec guy was in that one. Is was he? Uh, Kotokan. I yeah. think maybe. 
Okay, so the pieces pieces are coming back to me now. You see, I'm but, mocking you for not remembering that that movie even existed. But if you ask you me barely to, remember. <laughs> to name any plot point in that movie outside of Johnny Cage getting kicked in the balls, I cannot, I cannot summon it from my yeah. mind. Yeah. So hard to hard to compete with that memory, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's really it's really up there. Um, What's next? Yeah. Oh boy, I mean. You, this is this is gonna be a good one. I could just tell you right now. Uh, up next, we have. Oh boy, it's it's from our favorite director yet again, Uwe Boll. We're in Uwe. we're in we're in Uwe Boll territory. It's just they're gonna hot and heavy, just one after another. We are watching House of the Dead two. Incredible. The perfect, Incredible. the perfect December holiday movie. Did he direct the second one? Um, I think he did. Okay, I, for some reason I was under the impression he didn't direct. Oh, the second I am one. incorrect. I am incorrect. Okay, okay. Uh, My, Michael Hurst directed the second House of the Dead movie. So, all right, not a not a Uwe Boll classic, unfortunately. Just right. some other no named terrible but, director. You know, he he set up that first one to lead into this i'm sure perfectly and it will it will uh, undoubtedly be a continuation of his directorial vision that <laughs> doesn't completely ignore the source material of the first movie and make its own movie no doubt no doubt no um, doubt <laughs> so we'll see you next time when we see house of the dead 2 